Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek, your two favorite youth pastors, back for another episode, learning every single day how not to be a youth pastor. Derek, quick question of the day. What is your all-time least favorite sports opponent? As a lifelong Minnesota sports fan, this could be an exhaustive list for sure. Because I feel like my New Orleans Saints should probably be on your list somewhere. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, when when they picked off Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game, that was not not a fan of that. But I, I mean, while I don't like the Saints, and I thoroughly have enjoyed the last few postseason runs where we've kicked you guys out. Thanks under for that. Crazy circumstances. Uh, <laughs> I I have to say, if I had to pick one, it would be a toss up between two. Very, 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 very hated fan bases by me, uh, namely uh, the New York Yankees because they're just the worst, and they have rightfully kicked us out of the playoffs a ungodly amount of times. Mm-hmm. But probably even deeper than that, every time I see their logo, every time I see their name, I literally just like just am filled with disgust, and that would be the Chicago Blackhawks. If Matt Short ever uh, listens to our podcast, I believe he is a faithful Blackhawks fan. So yeah, he sorry, uh, he was my roommate in college. Uh, huge Chicago sports fan in general, um, and yeah, it's been it has uh, it's been a while since uh, he's getting married actually this this summer. Woohoo! But uh, Good no, the show Matt. So those of you who are unaware, though, you mentioned the New York Yankees and. You know, the twins, we have a bad relationship. Very bad. Um, Add some numbers up in your head for me, all right? Two plus three is five. One, three, nine, three, 12, three, 15, three, 18. Okay. So I believe this is right. The the twins have an 18 game postseason losing streak. Perfect. Okay. Of those 18 games, 13 have been the New York Yankees. Yay. Go which is Yankees. just ridiculous. It's 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 terrible. It it's dates back to terrible. 2004. Uh the Twins won the first game of the series and then lo- I believe and then lost the next 3 to the Yankees. Uh lost got swept by the Yankees in 2009, 2010, lost a single wild card game to them in 2017 and yep. got swept by them in 2019. So yep. Uh, yeah, as a, you know, Derek and I both grew up in Minnesota. Uh, there's a whole lot of, uh, teams that have been integral in our sports demise. Yeah. Oh, I like demise. Depression. There you go. That's that's the word we're looking for. Um, the other team I'll bring up as, as one of my least favorite franchises in sports, uh, is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, because (laughs) listen, the Dallas Cowboys are marketed as, America's, uh, team. America's team. Yep. And in my opinion, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. Because the amount of time that ESPN and other sports networks dedicate to covering the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. it makes sense that somebody would become a fan of the Dallas Cowboys because they get to see their team on TV all the sure. time. They get to see their team talked about all the time. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys, again, they've won what? One playoff game in that same period that the Twins have won zero? And so I, 
I think they've won. Yeah, I literally think they've won one playoff game in that sequence. And and they have every reason to win many more. Like right, they, they absolutely. Have, they have been a good team. They just have failed to execute, just like every other Minnesota sports team for the most part. Absolutely. Um, this is this is happening now. We're gonna look at the Dallas Cowboys playoff history. But my point is, um, oh my bad. They've won three since nineteen ninety eight. Oh my god. Uh, not just one. Uh, so well, that changes things for sure. That doesn't change squat three uh, games. They have three playoff wins uh, in 2009, 2014 and 2018. They won one game each, it's embarrassing. which means they haven't, they were all wild card games. They haven't made it out of the divisional round since, uh, since they won the Super Bowl in 1995. Cowboys fans. We see you. We feel you. We, we feel your pain, but we also still hate you because despite having basically the same amount of success as the Vikings, they get all the, the love. Cowboys get all of the love yeah, and none of the success. And yep. so that is why they, they annoy me. Uh, and if you live in the United States, uh, there is a sports personality by the name of Stephen A. Smith. Yes. And I yes. love how, about how, them Cowboys? how much he makes fun of the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Uh, at any opportunity that he has, it, it just warms my heart. And so, um, the other one that I wrote down here, uh, so Dallas Cowboys are pretty high on my list. They're probably number one. The other one that I wrote down was whatever team LeBron is on. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, uh, I, the older I've gotten, the more I've grown to appreciate LeBron James. Yeah. Um, Honestly, you know what it is, it, and and maybe it's getting blurred right now. I I don't necessarily hate LeBron anymore. The player, the NBA player, I think I hate the most is Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he is the most overrated player. Always has been. Not just because he's bad now. Apparently, he's so inefficient that it bugs me. Like, great, you got twenty points. You took sixty shots right. to get there. Yep. You don't know this about me, but I used to be a massive, and I mean like massive LeBron fan. Like when I was I thought in, you were gonna say Russell Westbrook, no, and I was like, You gotta be kidding no, me. <laughs> no. In I think when I was like a freshman in high school, sophomore, like I I owned three or four different jerseys. Like I had, wow. I had I, the Cavaliers one when he played for the Cavs, obviously. Old school. Yep. And so I had I had the red one, I had like the blue alternate, like that navy blue. Yep. Um I had you like the a, heat one. I did get the Heat one. Uh, like I, I was a huge LeBron fan, yeah. and then after that whole the decision moment, and he went to the Heat, was I was a, like a uh, little distasteful. Yeah, it was, and like I, but I, I was still like a through and through fan. But he kind of became like a little punk after that, and so I kind of just like fell out of love with with the with that player, and like he's he's. He's amazing. I, I think I think what really really kind of officially bumped me off the bandwagon is this whole who's the real king, who's the real goat, like MJ or LeBron. It's kind of like, okay, like Michael Jordan, in my opinion, will forever be the greatest of all time in the basketball arena. And so like when he started kind of drawing comparisons to that, I'm like, he's, he's insanely good. Like, hear me out. He's he, the conversation yeah, legitimate, but when you bring believe, it on yourself, I'm just not, a fan I believe of that. LeBron James is three and six all time in the uh, NBA finals. And, uh, Michael Jordan was six and oh, so yeah. that, that yeah. should settle it. Uh, a lot of people will point to LeBron's gotten to the finals more. 
uh, than than Michael Jordan did, which is true. Uh, LeBron never took a couple years off to play baseball, uh, which like Jordan really. What were you thinking? Uh, have but you also, the Last Dance. Uh, no, I have not. It's yeah. It's I good. I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I'll mention is that uh, the conference LeBron played in for most of his career was just weak trash, and the conference that Michael Jordan played in had much better competition uh, yeah. comparatively. And so it was, it was tougher to get to the finals, but once he got there, he was six and zero versus LeBron James would get there more often because his conference was weaker. And then he would, uh, do you know what we need to do? We need to figure out some way to get a poll like a P O L L on our, yep. our, our podcast and ask survey the how, listeners. Yeah. How many people skip our quick question of the day <laughs> and just go right to the content? <laughs> because these quick questions of the day have truly That's really true. I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, this is not we we need a second podcast to just talk about sports. Yep. Um before we do dive into today's episode, we do actually have a bit of business uh to to discuss with our listeners. It's not really a discussion, it's more of just a, a statement telling you what's <laughs> happening. This is not a two-way thing. That's how podcasts work. Uh although no, that's radio shows. Uh iHeartRadio now has which we are not on. No. So that's on us anyway. Yep. Uh iHeartRadio has a feature where like you if you're listening live to a radio station, you can talk back. Oh nice. Uh which seems like a terrible idea. But I'm yeah. not in radio, so they can deal with that. Uh we love doing the podcast yep. and, and we are going to continue doing the podcast. Yep. Uh, but one of the things we are adding to the calendar is uh, we are going to be doing seasons of the podcast. You are currently listening to season one. The inaugural season. The uh, the initial, the maiden voyage. Uh, we are going to take the summers off like all good TV programming does uh and uh pick up with season 2 in the fall. Derek and I were talking, we release one episode every week. When you get into the summer with youth ministry, it can be very tricky. Yep. Uh we both we got mission teams, we got camp, we got vacations, a whole bunch of stuff going on in the summer. And yep. so, uh we are going to uh take the summer off. Uh we're going to go through the end of May. So after this episode, we got four more left of season 1. And then we will be back in September uh, for season two of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. And so uh, we uh, definitely keep listening to us. If you run out of episodes, just start back on, yeah. on episode one. You'll never um, know what you're going to We find. should probably be the only podcast you're listening to anyway. Yep. Because you get both ministry and entertainment and sports all in one yeah. podcast, apparently. It's truly the most efficient podcast. It really is. Uh, as we're going on minute 10, uh, almost 11 of not getting to our content. Correct. And claiming to be the most most efficient podcast out yep, there. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, today's episode, uh, we are going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And we're not necessarily going to dive into uh, a ton of the how-tos. I just broke something on my desk, so we're going to ignore that. Um, I don't think the sound came through, but it startled me. So just ignore that. Uh, we're not going to dive necessarily into the specifics of spiritual warfare, but what we want to talk about is maybe the recognition of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, because I think what happens is when we talk about spiritual warfare, one of two things happen. Sometimes both of them happen, but both of which are not like great things. And so when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're going to kind of dive into what that actually means here in just a second. But 
if you're listening to this, odds are you have at least some form of understanding of what it might be like. But what happens is when people start talking about spiritual warfare, usually one of these two happens. And the first one is it becomes like an unhealthy obsession with like supernatural or paranormal things. Like all of a sudden it's all you think about. It's all you talk about. It's all you research. You kind of just do a deep dive into this supernatural stuff. Or on the flip side of things, what happens when we talk about spiritual warfare, we start attributing too much of just everyday life to the enemy. That was never him to begin with. Like, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm feeling attacked right now. Like my dog ate my bagel this morning on the way out for breakfast. Oh, rude. You know, like I grabbed, yeah. a, I grabbed a donut and didn't know it was jelly filled. Right. Like definitely not ideal for sure. But to say that is Satan is a bit of a stretch sometimes. Yeah. I've got kind of a pet peeve with, uh, with some of these people. Uh, listen, I love everybody. Uh, not because I want some to, some of these people, <laughs> not because I want to, but because Jesus tells me to, uh, I love everybody, but I think everybody has either has has encountered somebody who, uh, you know, everything is spiritual warfare. Yep. And if you haven't, maybe it's you, but uh, or just spend more time around a church and you'll find them. The thing about, by the way, I fixed my desk for our listeners that were really uh, wondering, hanging on the edge of their seats. Yeah, they were all really invested in that. Um, when it comes to attributing too much to spiritual warfare. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven. <laughs> I, I, I was going to try and beat you to it, but then I realized you were actually on that, that path the whole time. Yeah, I was. Uh, our God is awesome. And he is uh, one of the, one of the attributes of God yep. is that he is omnipresent, which means, which means he is everywhere. Yep. Always. Yep. Uh, he, he, he's not just like, I'm, I'm in Hong Kong and then God's going to just beam he's not over Santa to where he has yeah, to travel. That's, oh, that's so good. Uh, God is not Santa. I'm, I'm not naming this episode that, but I really want to. When we get, when we get merch made and it has how not to be a youth pastor podcast on it. One of the quotes on the hem of the sweatshirt's going to be, our God is not Santa. Oh, for sure. We're at some point, we're going to release a shirt with all of our best quotes on it. Um, oh, I'm so excited. I don't know if we've ever actually shared this on the podcast, but back on our Thanksgiving episode, uh, Derek made a comment <laughs> about God being the great I am because we were talking about Thanksgiving dishes and, and the whole thing. And so my wife did make us t-shirts. Yes, she did. That it says the great I am on yep, it and it has a picture, the picture of, of a yam yep. and it was the greatest thing ever. Uh, so future merch, yeah. uh, come, merch number two coming yep. uh, at some point to a online distributor near you. Aren't all online distributors? We really should get merch. <laughs> like, like if you're listening to this podcast and you would honestly wear some how not to be a youth pastor. How not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Yep. Send us your sizes. Send us uh, some what, ideas. What kind of merch you do you want? Yeah. Hats, sweatshirts, socks. What do you want? Yep. And, uh, and we'll make it happen for Perfect. sure. Um, where were we? Spiritual warfare. Uh, omnipresent. <laughs> our God is an awesome God. Yes. Uh, our God is omnipresent. Yep. He can be anywhere all the time. He is everywhere all the time. Yep. Satan is not omnipresent. Correct. Satan can only be in one place at one time. Yep. And, and what I was telling Derek earlier is that I, for somebody to think that Satan, who can only be in one place at one time, frequently shows up in their life 
to do stuff means that either they have a very low view of Satan or they have a very high view of themselves. Sure. Uh, you know, to think that you are so important that Satan himself needs to show up in your life on a regular basis to, you know, force your dog to eat your bagel. Yep. I don't know, man. Like that is not necessarily how this works. No. And it's a huge, you know, if, if Satan's just gonna run around, (laughs) Satan's occupying too much of your headspace and living up there rent free. Uh, it, that's not productive. And no. and you're attributing, like Derek said, you're attributing way too much right. to Satan. But to be clear, spiritual warfare is a thing. And so while while Satan is not nearly as powerful as God, while he does like he still has a mission right. to bring us down. He has a mission to bring down pastors, leaders, churches, even if it is with stupid stuff. He does. I mean, Ephesians, I love what it says here in Ephesians chapter six. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you are trying to advance the gospel, if you are trying to live your life and tell other people about him, the enemy hates you. And he is doing every single thing he can to try and bring you down and make you less effective for the kingdom. Because here's what Kyle and I have talked about before uh, we even hit record here. We know the enemy loses. In the end, we know that, and he knows that this, this war is over. He is fighting a futile war because at the end of this thing, Jesus sits on the throne victorious. And all the people who believe in him are victorious. So the enemy right now is purely trying to play damage control. He's trying to get us believers in Jesus to play defense and go, oh man, I'm just feeling attacked because, you know, my dog ate my bagel this morning and it just, it messed That's up my such morning. Such a weird example and, for us to be using. But but I, it happens, right? <laughs> it does. Like it, it's, yeah, it's, it's something it's random. It's the blown tire on the side of the road. Yeah, right. It, 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 it just, it happens. And, you know, if we can become so defensive and go, I just feel so beat down. I just feel so discouraged. I just feel like the enemy's coming after me and all this different stuff. We're no longer playing offense and trying to advance the kingdom. We're now going, I just got to play defense. Right. Absolutely. If, if he can't, you know, if he can't win us over, he can at least keep us distracted enough to not play offense. Yep. You know, us winning more souls for the kingdom of God is us playing offense. Yep. If we're just worrying about, you know, his spiritual attacks or what we think are his spiritual attacks, you know, there is some level of defense that needs to be played. But if that's yep. all we're doing, if that's all we're fixating on, yep. then we're not actually going out and advancing the gospel, which is what we are called to do. Right. Absolutely. And it's... I think this whole concept of spiritual warfare really can be difficult for people to wrap their heads around because faith in it, faith in itself is tough, right? I mean, it, it can be hard enough for you to understand that there's a God who loves you named Jesus who is there for you and all of your stuff. That alone can be tough, let alone the idea that, well, we're walking around and living our life. There is a spiritual battle happening in the heavenly realm of good versus evil and you know, a lot of people, we don't get that far because, again, sometimes in churches, we don't want to talk about this stuff because it can be difficult. It can be muddy. It can be, you know, you can focus too much on this, that, or the other thing. And so what happens is all of people go, 
I mean, I knew Satan was evil, but I didn't know he was fighting. I didn't know he was fighting right right yeah, now. Finding the healthy balance, uh, you know, for yourself as as youth pastors or youth leaders, finding a healthy balance to teach our students uh, yeah. or to teach your congregation as a whole. Uh, that's that's really kind of what we want to try to f- talk about here today and try right. to find is what's the balance between acknowledging spiritual warfare and f- you know engaging in it without becoming overly obsessed with it right because it is a slippery slope and it can be a really fine line and so you know part of how we want to do that is I think it's important to actually identify and kind of talk about what this spiritual warfare is because I think we might have some parents or we might have some even youth pastors who maybe haven't necessarily done a deep dive into it. We're not going to get super, super into this, but I think it is important to, if we're going to fight this enemy, if we're going to stand up against what he wants to do against us, we got to know what, what his tactics are. We got to know what's actually going on. And so spiritual warfare is just that it is war. It is good versus evil. It is a battle in the spiritual realm that's happening as we live our everyday life, whether you acknowledge it or not, it's happening. Uh, you know, uh, we're fortunate enough here in the United States right now to be safe. I mean, you and I are talking about post Easter stuff and, and, you know, meanwhile, as it exists right now, there's the whole Ukrainian Russian warfare going on. We might not always be consciously aware of the fact that that's happening because we got our stuff going on over here, but it doesn't change the fact that it's happening. It's the same way with spiritual warfare, whether you are aware or not, it is happening. And what we can say is, like I just said, in the end, we win. If you read the book Revelation, you see that Jesus inevitably, even going back to Genesis, he talks about you know striking the heel against the serpent, like good will win in the very end. Yeah. But the battle right now still persists. Right, and that battle is... You know, it's it's spiritual warfare taking place with spiritual weapons. Yes. Uh, you know, taking place with spiritual forces. Uh, it, you know, it has the ability to impact you know us physically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's why when Paul talks in, I'm going to butcher this and say Galatians six uh, or Ephesians. So I don't know. It is written. When Paul <laughs> talks about, uh, you know, the armor of God, yep, uh, you know, he does not say the breastplate of metal; it's the breastplate of righteousness. Yep, he doesn't say the sword of metal. Yep, <laughs> apparently everything is made of metal in my mind. By the way, you are correct. Ephesians, six. Ephesians six. There we yep. go. Uh, Galatians, I believe, is the fruit of the spirit. Uh, easily I- mixable in my mind, apparently. But my point is. You know these things are happening with spiritual weapons, yep. uh, which makes sense. And so, you know, when we think about spiritual warfare, you know, our prayers that's that's impacting spiritual warfare. Yeah. If if we want to, you know, be aware of spiritual warfare and we want to, you know, take our stand in spiritual warfare, you have to use the right weaponry. Yep. Um, and we're not going to expound on this. But Facebook comments, surprisingly not spiritual weaponry. Oh dear. <laughs> we we will we will table that for now, but like it it is a legitimate thing, you know? And I think just as a little tangent here, uh something else Satan can do. I I've seen this a bunch. Our battle is against spiritual forces, 
But if, if we can get distracted with physical things and getting into these little pish posh debates and not focusing our efforts and our energy on things that matter spiritually, it's another way of us playing defense instead of not playing offense. And, you know, it is a spiritual thing. We might not be able to see it necessarily or sense it always in the physical realm, but it is happening. And what happens with spiritual warfare is while this is happening in the heavenly realms, Satan does have jurisdiction, I guess you could say, to impact our physical lives. Uh, if you read the book of Job, and I used to think it was the book of Job when I first loved Jesus. So, if, Classic if, book of Job. Yep. In Job, we see that the enemy is basically saying this man, Job, who's a great man, doesn't have very strong faith. And God's like, all right, bet, you know? And so Satan has to get permission from God to torment Job, which we can talk about later. But basically what happens is Satan messes with Job's life physically. This would be spiritual warfare of Satan using spiritual forces to impact Job's physical life. So we see that his kids eventually die due to illness or it doesn't, it's not explicitly clear. I don't believe. Uh, uh, I believe all of his kids die because the house falls on them. Okay. Thank you. I, 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 I the great wind swoops in and knocks the house down. Yep. yep. I think there's a, uh, you know, great wolf huffing and puffing in there too, <laughs> oh my but God. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, we, so he uses spiritual things to impact physical things to all of a sudden his kids are dead. And right. then all of a sudden he gets these really nasty boils all over his body that are just miserable. Um, you know, Satan is tormenting this man and it's spiritual warfare. He's trying to get Job to a spot where he goes, I'm so done with this that, you know what? I just, I lose my faith in God and I'm done with all of it. And it doesn't happen. Um, he gets distressed and it's, it's a, we can, it's a great story, but basically what I'm, my point with this is that Satan as a part of his spiritual warfare tries to mess with our lives physically because he knows that because we're down on the earth trying to win people to Jesus, if he can mess with us physically, it impacts things spiritually. Right. And I, I don't want to, you know, I, I made the comment earlier, like Satan only gets to be in one place. You know, there's demons working on his behalf as well. Yeah. And so, you know, just because Satan is, you know, in the Ukraine, Russia war, I don't, wherever, yep. plenty of civil wars in Africa going on right now, sure. that doesn't mean that nothing else ever bad happens the rest of the planet. Um, but I think that one of the things to take away from the Job story is that, you know, spiritual like this, we're talking about, he loses all of his kids. He yeah. loses all of his crops and yep. all of his livestock. He, his, he's Which is basically his livelihood, right? He is bedridden because he has like sores all over his body. Yep. You know, I, I don't want to belittle anything going on in somebody's life, but you know, you accidentally knocked the cup of coffee off of your counter and, you know, spilled coffee everywhere and the cup shattered. Let's, let's use a little bit of perspective yeah. here. Now, you know, if, if Satan wants to, you know, come and 
stack some stuff on top of uh, of things. Like, you know, that happens, your kid, uh, you know, spills something and then you go out to your garage and your tire is flat and, you know, you get in a car accident on your way to work. And, you know, if you start stacking some of these things, like, okay, maybe that's spiritual warfare. Just like Satan's not going to send a demon in to just one off and then, uh, you know, go on his merry way. Yep. Um, you know, I always use the example that, you know, spiritual warfare is most evident in the technology in a church Uh, (laughs) because like, oh my goodness, the, the little gremlins in technology are, it's insane. Yeah. And most people I've talked to that work in churches know exactly what, like Derek, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, and that, that's why, so, you know, we just had Easter a few weeks ago. Right. And so Without a question, I mean, maybe not without a question, but probably the biggest church holiday like of all the year. I mean, Christmas is a big one too, but Easter is the time when normally every church in America is full. It, it, it's yeah. it's when you, oh, yeah. are, you are seeing a bunch of brand new people, people who only come to church, you know, once a year. And so, you know, it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunity to share about the love of Jesus. There's a lot of spiritual good that happens and happened on Easter. And so Satan will work overtime the week leading up to Easter to try and get pastors, leaders, church people discouraged and beat down. So when it comes to showtime, if you will, they're, they're discouraged. They're playing defense. And so like, just as again, this is what can happen, right? Like Friday, I plan to go in on and, and run through my message for the weekend to make sure it's sharp. It, it, it's all good. It's one o'clock on a Friday. Good Friday. I walk in to our sanctuary and none of our lights work. The board's jacked up, right? Like the, I have no control of our house lights, which we absolutely 100% need for Saturday morning egg hunt problem. You know, it, all of a sudden I went from feeling like, all right, I'm going to have two hours run through my message now I'm stressed out on the phone trying to get some a tech out to get our lights fixed. They got it fixed. Great. Saturday, we have a great, great Easter hunt, and I'm going to run through my message again. But this time, our computer and pro presenter are jacked up, and so I can't run through that. And so while these are, quote-unquote, small things, they're keeping people from being able to, like for me, practicing my message had some spiritual significance because it would have helped me on Sunday. Um, You know, it's when we see this in in students, we see this in people where it's just, there's unfortunate timing there. There's coincidences that are a little too coincidental given what's at stake. And, you know, it's Easter. I think we just, we can sense a lot of spiritual warfare because the enemy knows there's something big coming and he's trying to do everything he can to derail us from, yeah, like like we talked about earlier, that offense piece is the greatest thing that we have in our like sharing the gospel with people. Yeah, and so you know, I I would venture to say that the primary objective of spiritual warfare uh, on Satan's side is to prevent the spread of the gospel. Yeah, and I don't think that's earth shattering, groundbreaking news. No. Like that, if that's Satan's goal is to prevent the spread of the gospel. Yeah. and so. That that's maybe the first question to ask when it comes to hey, is this spiritual warfare? Is it preventing the spread of the gospel? Uh, you know, that's not to say that if the answer is no, then it's definitely not spiritual warfare. But 
Yeah, if, if the answer though. if the answer is yes, then it it's probably spiritual warfare. Right. right. Yeah. And so, like, what do you do with that though? Right. I mean, that's inevitably right. we we acknowledge that it exists. We I think it's everyone that's listening to this point probably is like I firmly agree with you, but like, what do you do with it? Because it is yeah. spiritual warfare, and while we have, you know the spirit of God in us, we are not inherently spiritual beings yet. Like we're still living. We still have our humanness. We still have that physical nature. And so what do you do with spiritual warfare? And I think the first, first point is you got to stay rooted in Christ. I mean, we know he wins, so we have to stay anchored in him. I love that you mentioned the, the armor of God because Ephesians six twelve is what I read earlier that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but blah, blah, blah. The very next verse is therefore, which is basically saying, in which case, do mm-hmm. this. Because of this. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, yeah. you may be able to stand your, your your ground. We need to stay rooted. We need to put on that armor of God. I'm just going to read these out because I think this is important because I think at some point we're going to walk through, I know we're going to walk through spiritual warfare. And so what is that armor of God is we're going back to kids ministry here because this is good. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. You need to know what's true because the enemy will try and whisper lies about you, about what you're capable of, about God himself. We need to have the belt of truth buckled around our waist. Stay in your word, stay anchored in him. Uh, The breastplate of righteousness a really easy way to lose your offensive weapons, get accused of something that is 100% true about you. Okay, well, I'm not going to that church because he you know, is abusive or whatever. If you're not righteous, it it takes away your offensive weapons really fast. I literally just read this stat to Derek unintentionally yep. before we started hitting record that one in 10 Protestants under the age of 35 are leaving the church specifically because they feel that allegations of sexual misconduct were not handled well. Yep. You know, you talk about living above board and and doing things the right way, keep maintaining that righteousness. Yep. You know, stuff like that, like that's your your actions and your leadership. Yep. need to be on that level. Yep. And to be clear, we just celebrated Easter. That's not our own righteousness. That's him. But it's it's doing the physical things right to stay righteous, to handle things that need to be handled, to keep yourself pure, all that stuff. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Be ready. Don't hang back. Don't be lazy. Don't be... When the, when the going gets tough, don't just go, man, this is tough and give up. Like... Be ready to dive in, to push through because you will come through on the other side because God is with you in that, in that situation. Um, uh, feet fitted shield of faith. Uh, we got to have some faith, man. I mean, holy buckets. I, I can share about that a little bit later. Uh, but the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, he is going to send arrows on you and try and strike you down. Like Kyle said, it's probably going to stack, you know, for us, it was the lights that were going down. And then I had a tough email that I had to read. And then it was all this stuff. I just felt like, oh my goodness, this is tough. But then I realized, you know what? God is with me. God's got this. He's in my corner. He knows that. And then the last one, the helmet of salvation, or sorry, the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to remember that we are God's, that he's got us, that he saved us, and we need to stay anchored in the word of God because that will bring truth and that is our offensive weapon. Yeah, I want to read real quick. This is something that uh, I would venture to guess not a lot of people know about this passage uh, with the armor of God. I'm going to go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 59 uh, verses uh, 15 and a half through 17. Um, you know, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that no one, that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in the clo- in zeal as a cloak. And the point that I'm making here is that in the Old Testament, God wore the armor himself. Yep. And in the New Testament, he's arming us. I like that. With with that armor. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when the flaming arrows of the enemy are are coming at us, where's our focus? Yep. You know? That's so when, good. When the uh you know, the, the helmet of salvation, our, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Like footing is strong, firm footing is essential. Yeah. Uh, the Bible talks elsewhere about, you know, immature faith is like being tossed around by the waves yep. uh, coming from every direction versus if your faith is firm, you know, the little things in life will not uh, will not rattle you because yep. your faith is firm. It's strong. It's got a firm footing and a firm foundation yep. where you do not get, you know, tossed about by, you know, one person said this about you or this Facebook post you saw from a friend made you really jealous. Yeah. Your footing is firm enough that uh, your focus remains where it should be. Yep. Absolutely. And, and so really practically, just to kind of break all that down, because I feel like we just... Uh, just, just had a, we had scripture in there, yeah, all we kinds did. of stuff to chew, which was, was good. But, um, basically when you're in the heat of the battle, worship, pray, read and abide. Yeah. It's, that's it's good. really just be with him because he will carry you through and he will be there for you. So stay rooted in Christ. What else you got for us, Kyle? Cause there's a lot that we have to do with this. Um, just for the record, I prefer to worship, abide, read, and pray? No. You could do that too, but worship, read, abide, pray would be rap. Ooh. And yeah. that sounds fun. Um, We're all with the acronyms as pastors. Yeah. Uh, anytime like abide brought the vowel and I was like, okay, there's yeah. gotta be a word in there somewhere. Right. Uh <laughs> Well done. Uh, another well thing done. that I'd say that we should definitely do when it comes to spiritual warfare is, uh, you know, stay in community. Yeah. Uh, always, I mean, asking for prayer, uh, not in the Christian gossip way, but uh, the, they're listen, going through a really tough patch. We can, should pray for we them. We should, we should pray for Phyllis because, uh, she's going through a rough time yep. and, uh, no, but I mean, this is, I mean, first of all, this is for you. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is tips for you. Uh, you know, fight spirit with spirit. We'd said, like I said earlier, prayer is powerful and effective. And yep. so when, when we are at sharing in community with one another, uh, you know, put yourself physically in community with one another. Yep. 
uh, you know, don't isolate yourself, but go spend time with other believers, have relationships and fellowship with other yep. believers. Uh, and, and that's going to, uh, you know, it sounds cheesy, but there's strength in numbers. Yeah, there really is. I mean, I love, uh, to throw more scripture in here, you know, where two or more <laughs> are gathered there, I am with you, you know, Jesus is with us all the time. But when there's that communal aspect, it's just like, God is, is just there and he is just strong and it's awesome. So community, that's really good. Uh, another thing, understand your limitations. This is a spiritual matter. And like yeah. I said, uh, we are not inherently spiritual beings yet. Uh, you know, we're still living. And so this is bigger than you. So if you're trying to fight on your own strength and just persevere and push through and grit your teeth, you will fail. And odds are you're going to get more attacked and more beat down. You have to understand this is bigger than you. And so your only course of action at this point is to stay the course and stay rooted in him. Yeah. Another good point is to be flexible. Uh, It's the number one thing that I tell our students when we're on mission teams because it's so true. Uh, you know, any little change in the plans, uh, any, any little thing that goes wrong, uh, can really throw some people off. Uh, but don't lose heart when, when your plans, when you lose your plans, Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, pivot a little bit, uh, like Ross said, and look forward to how God's going to like, okay, now this is how God has an opportunity to move. Yep. Okay. This is the plan. Sweet. God, how can you use me here? Yep. Bring it on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, we love the F word on the mission trips. Flexibility. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> that was, uh, that was not me. That, we went on a mission team this last year and they said, all right, guys, we're going to teach you the F word flexibility. And Derek immediate before Derek even heard the end of the sentence, he put his ear hands over his students ears yeah. and said, don't listen. What kind of guy is leading our trip here? Come on. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, to, to handle spiritual warfare is take ownership. All right. Um, it can be really easy to blame things on the enemy when we just are human, right? Like I just, ah, man, like I just, I Kyle and I were talking about this. Some people will say it can be spiritual warfare if you got passed up for that promotion. It could be hundred percent. Mm-hmm. It could be that other person was better for the job. Yeah, maybe could, you are just straight up unqualified. Yep. And like, that's not like an insult. That's just a matter of fact. And so, you know, while, while we need to be cognizant the fact that spiritual warfare is a thing, we also need to take ownership and realize part of being entrusted with the work of the Lord is to work hard, to be smart, to steward, to to be present. Like just because things are not going well doesn't mean we can just sit back and go, oh man, I'm being attacked. So I'm just going to give up. Like, no, take ownership own your humanness and just understand that not every single thing that we exist in, in humanness is like spiritual warfare. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, because one of the things that we've talked about this entire episode, there's not a defined line right. of this is or is not spiritual warfare. Uh, th- the whole point of it being spiritual is that we're not going to get full knowledge of it until we're on that side of things. Right. Uh, but one of the big notes that I would encourage our listeners on is that I have never met an instance of spiritual warfare that couldn't benefit from like Derek's from from rap, 
you know, more worship, right. uh, more abiding or no more worship, more, what was the R? I don't know. I don't oh, even read. 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 Yes. More worship, more reading scripture, more abiding and more praying. Yeah. You know, if, if you're unsure whether or not what's happening in your life is spiritual warfare, like do more of those four yeah, things. Right. And, uh, anybody can do more of those and be, you know, stronger in our guard against spiritual warfare. Yeah. And it's going to inspire more offense. It's yep. going to inspire. I want to share this more. Yep. Uh, I, I'm going to, I want to be a better witness by being a good steward. Like Derek talked about by, you know, holding myself accountable when I need to, yeah. instead of just, I, I have to imagine as somebody who's grown up in the church their entire lives, I do not have the best uh, worldview when it comes to not Christians. Sure. <laughs> like I, I've been a Christian most of my life. Yeah. But I have to imagine if you are not a Christian and you see Christians constantly just blaming things on the devil when yeah. like really, no, you're just like, this is on you and yep. you're not, you're passing the blame off on spiritual warfare when you need to take ownership. Yep. That I have to imagine it makes Christianity really, really unattractive Yeah, because that would frustrate me. Yep. You know, if I was in a job and my coworker kept blaming everything on spiritual warfare instead of their incompetence, that would be really frustrating. Sure. And part of that is probably discernment on the part of the Christian to know like, no, this is just me. I need to step it up and I need to take ownership versus, Hey, there's some spiritual warfare happening. But I think that, you know, rap just, just, just wrap it up. Yeah, I think is what we're saying. Just wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I can't believe we did that. I mean, that oh, that that's no. true. Like pastoral, just turning an acronym into something out of nothing. Yep. But I mean, really, I think if we were to boil that down, it is just that. I mean, worship, read, abide, and pray. Because yeah. you know, while spiritual warfare is legitimate, spiritual warfare is not fun. It's not. I mean, it's it's. While we know that this, while Satan loses, it doesn't change the fact that he's got some weight to throw around and it can feel very heavy. But, you know, at the same time, that while it is totally, totally understandable just to feel the weight of that, it doesn't mean we can just fold up, close up shop, and just say, I'm being attacked, I'm done. Yeah, you talk about spiritual warfare not always being fun. You know, those four things on the list are not always, you know, I like, they're not always fun. It's not always like, oh yeah, like I just, I am really excited to spend some time in prayer and spend some time reading my Bible. Like there are, it's, it's a discipline for a reason, right? You have to be disciplined. It doesn't always come naturally to take time out of your day to spend time reading the Bible, to take time out of your day to, to pray, to worship, to abide. Yep. It takes discipline to do all of this. Yes. It doesn't always come naturally. And so, you know, fighting something that isn't fun with something that isn't fun, you know, all the time fighting something that takes discipline with something that takes discipline. Uh, I think that's uh, that's good advice, Derek. Well done. Well done. Proud of you. Well done yourself. Thank you. Derek's got some good advice. I, I know that surprises some of our listeners, but... Derek knows what he's talking about. Does it surprise the listeners or my co-host? Uh, both. <laughs> yes, I think is the right answer. Perfect. To that question. Uh, that does it for today's episode. If you guys have more questions 
on spiritual warfare. We'd love uh, to answer some of those. How not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, maybe we'll have to make our way onto iHeartRadio at some point. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll put a website together where people can just download our episodes and as buy MP3. our merch. And buy our merch. Yes, we need a we need a how not to be a youth pastor Instagram account to sell our merch or something. Certainly, uh, we'll make it happen. We'll hire a uh, social media director for season two, and uh, and go from there. Because obviously, we're making so much money clearly off of doing this, and yes. we make loads of money as pastors. Yes, uh, in both, both accurate in loyalty points to pizza places in our area. The coupons I have are <laughs> unbelievable. Absolutely. All right. Uh, on behalf of Derek and. I appreciate you guys listening to our episode that does it for today. And uh, I think it's about time that I go get uh, fitted for a new breastplate of righteousness. Goodbye. Goodbye.